Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And we are social distancing. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) If you feel like this sounds any differently... Which it will. (laughs) That is why, as... Y'all know, there's currently a mental health, or not mental health, (laughs) I mean, it's affecting my mental health, but there is a global health crisis that we are all dealing with and going through. So we decided that we should both stay at home and record separately. So for this month and perhaps next month as well, the intros will most likely be recorded this way and... We'll just have to deal with it the way it is. The interview part of it, though, we still got to interview in our usual um, booth space. So it's going to sound super clear and nice, whereas this is going to sound different. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how it goes. We'll we'll do our best that we can. I'm going to do my best in post-audio to try to clean everything up since, you know, we both have different setups, we both have different locations, different mics, different recording software, different everything. So we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. But for today's episode, our special guest is Iris, aka Limitless. Mental disabilities and illnesses have been discussed within the J fashion community for quite some time. The two go hand in hand quite easily. However, the narratives of J-fashionistas with physical disabilities has gone mostly under the radar. The conversation is beginning to gain traction within the Lolita community due to the growing frustration of people with disabilities finding it difficult to find Lolita-able shoes that they can wear. Today we'll be talking with Lolita content creator Limitless, aka Iris, to give us more perspective on how the J fashion community can be accommodating for those with disabilities. But before we get into that, we are going to get into our personal news updates. There's been a lot going on. Kamila, do you want to start us off? I guess the thing I want to talk about is that I found a new J fashion podcast. Ooh. So I found out about it through Instagram. I saw a few people liked some post of mine and sometimes I just end up like if I get a lot of likes or something in a row from someone or or they follow me or something like that, I just like to look and see like, oh, who is this person? Ended up being this Dress to Frill podcast and I was like, <gasps> is that a J Fashion podcast that we can also listen to? The account says... Dress to Frill, a Japanese fashion podcast focusing on Lolita and the underrepresented folks, all bodies, all ethnicities and races, all identities, all J fashion. And it's hosted on Anchor, which I think puts it out to different podcast catchers. And you can like click on that little link on their Instagram to listen to the episodes that they currently have. It's pretty new. Yeah, it has three episodes with the first episode being um, February 25th and the last episode being March 12th. When I listen to the first episode, which is kind of like the host, who is a Roya Daviani they were kind of talking about how they got into Lolita and their first meet and their struggles and triumphs. 
being a plus size Lolita. I am excited to listen to more episodes. Yeah, I mean, especially during this lockdown that we have in Illinois, I, oh, I'm i going to have to really space it out for myself so I don't binge it all in three hours. It's like a shorter thing. It's kind of like the first episode's 26 minutes and the last episode they did was 35. So it's kind of a shorter podcast. I think they're trying to do weekly, so that would make sense to make it a little bit shorter, I suppose. Yeah, I looked at the calendar and that looks like a bi-weekly schedule. But that's pretty cool to have like another podcast out there. I know we were looking for that before when we first started OK Podcast just to see if like, is there any other podcast that we could guest on or we could have as guests or other examples to, I don't know, vibe with. <laughs> so I'm like excited that there's another one there. It might be a little bit more vloggy. Like, I don't know if there's any interviews. I think they said that there will be interviews sometimes, but I don't think their podcast is an interview podcast. I think they're going to just be discussing things. Interesting. Well, I am super hyped for that. Again, I need more content. I need more J fashion. I'm always looking for more, trying to get my grubby little fingers on it. Exactly. So I'm just like, yay, there's like more things that I hope they continue to make episodes and everything and hopefully one day we could like work together or something yeah that'd be super exciting yeah and then if you want to talk about like what's been going on with well it's kind of before the lockdown and it's also kind of after the lockdown because I've had so much more time on my hands, but we will start before. Um, I've been doing a lot of upcycling and I've been finishing a lot of personal projects that I'm really excited about. I recently upcycled a vintage lavender colored cardigan that I was really, really excited about. I found it a few months ago. I would probably say like four or five months ago at my workplace and I tried it on. And at first when I had it on the hanger I was like no I already have a lavender cardigan I shouldn't get it but then I put it on and I was like oh no I need this <laughs> I don't need it I need it exactly exactly and I just I had to have it and I had a plan initially to upcycle it I really wanted to make it into a spank k cardigan because I've been getting really into spank k really into the more 80s style of fairy k as opposed to just like pastel all over. I really have been wanting to coordinate and curate my wardrobe more. So I've been holding on to this cardigan for months and I had the fabric for it for months and I had the trim for it for months. But being a student full-time and working part-time, I never had any time to be able to do it. And moreover, my sewing machine was back in California with my parents because it is such a hefty boy to carry around with me. There was never the chance to take it with me back to Chicago. But this winter, I finally was like, this is it. Now is the time. I am taking my sewing machine back home with me. And I only packed a little carry-on. I didn't take anything else. And I was planning on my sewing machine to be my checked bag. I managed to bring my baby back home with me. 
I adore my sewing machine. It was a gift from my parents a few years ago and it is my pride and joy. I would say a month ago, I finally was able to find the time to freaking start this project because I'm now a part-time student as opposed to a full-time student because I only had nine credits to finish up in school, so I had more time on my hands. So I finally sat myself down and I finished it. I ended up switching the pockets out to be a black and white polka dot pocket with some pink frilly trim. And if you guys wanna see that upcycle, you can check out my Instagram, it's over on there. And coming up to speed here with the lockdown and social distancing going into effect, I have had a lot more time on my hands. Like entire days and weeks. <laughs> so I said, fuck it, I'm gonna use all this free time that I have to work on all of my projects. I've had this specific project on my hands for over a year. I started it with our friend, Jesse Moonheart, like over a year ago. It's this pair of bloomer short in a furry lavender rosette fabric, I think, Many people are familiar with the fabric I'm talking about, but I wanted it to be very versatile because there are times when I want this type of garment and then there are times when I want a different type of garment, but not everything is the way you want it to be. So I wanted to make these lavender shorts into something that I could change up with my mood. There's gonna be a removable bib and straps so they could be shorts or they could be overalls, or they can be jumper shorts with long straps as opposed to the bib and the straps. So there's gonna be like three, four different ways I'll be able to wear this piece. I've been working really, really hard on it recently and I'm almost done. However, the snaps that I have on it are very cheap and they just keep falling off and I'm so frustrated with them. It's super hard to hand sew little things like buttonholes. My sewing machine can do buttonholes, but it doesn't like this fabric cause it's furry. So I can't sew buttonholes with my machine, but I can't sew buttonholes by hand because it's too freaking furry and I can't see through the fur and so I'm just freaking out and I'm frustrated so I decided to take a little break from them so I'm just really excited to get these shorts done it's gonna take a little bit but I will get there I am a huge fan of upcycling and I love to reinvent things and I still have like three four or five projects on the docket that I just can't get to right now for one reason or another. But if you wanna keep up with my upcycling journeys, please go ahead and follow me on Instagram, shameless plug. I like to post there a lot. <laughs> well, this is like a really good time to work on, I don't know, a lot of stuff that you may have been putting off for a while. And with that happening, me and Hayden got to discussing goals for this year. I know it's a little late to come up with goals. I know that's usually a beginning of the year thing, but we're coming up on our three-year anniversary, so I decided, eh, we're, we're gonna do it now. Fuck it. <laughs> that's cool. You can do it whenever you want. Exactly. So, Kamila, what are your goals for the rest of the year? For personal life, for your own J Fashion stuff, and for the podcast? I've reached a really good goal in creating my Nintendo Nook area. Ooh. So I have this room that's supposed to be a dining room that I've been trying to make into this like really cool multi-purpose space. 
And it started with a wardrobe because Simon takes up our uh, bedroom closet. It's not very big. And we're both people who have a lot of clothes, probably also me. He has that whole closet. And then I got kind of like an, an outside closet, which is like the little wardrobe thing. It has a door and stuff. Pier 1 by me was closing like um, a couple months ago or something. So I got a vanity table. Yeah, to put my makeup on because every time I would do makeup, my makeup would end up everywhere and there wasn't really a place to really put it back in. I had bags and stuff and it's not a great way of looking for certain things I want to use. It just creates a mess every single time. So now I have an actual table with organizers and stuff for my makeup. So I'm like happy about that. Knowing that places we're going to stop work and we're going to be going into social distancing. I decided to quickly um, get the things for the other side of the room. I wanted to have a space where I can play Nintendo games since Simon kind of takes over the living room with his PlayStation, watching King of the Hill, stuff like that, which is fine. But if I'm going to be home a lot and he might be home more too, it's going to be like a fight for the for the television space. <laughs> so yeah, so we got like a smaller TV than what's in our living room. The cheapest, biggest TV we could get, which is like a 43-inch. We got a on-clearance TV stand at Ikea. And we used an extra mattress that I had, which was kind of for this purpose. But since I didn't have the rest of the things, it just sat in that room. So yeah, we got like a little sheet for it and pillows and I was able to put all these stuffed animals that had been like stuffed into other corners and spaces and put it onto that bed. And I got the Animal Crossing Switch. I didn't think I was going to get it because I was working during that time. So it's just like, oh, you got to get it in person. And uh, there's people actually getting this. I was looking at all these statuses and stuff and people being like, oh, it's sold out here. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> and so I was like panicking. But Simon after work sped over somewhere to like a Walmart or something and got it. So I finally have a switch. And so now I have all the elements of like being able to play this game in this cool little space which Simon is also allowed in the space too but I think he is just less attracted to Nintendo games for the most part so he probably won't be here trying to play the games a lot yeah it's been really nice I took my first nap there yesterday it was glorious oh my gosh I have my own nap space because I don't like to take naps in the going to sleep for for the whole night bed because I'm like I want to wake up I don't want to be too comfortable as someone who has overslept on naps for their entire life I completely understand yeah so I'm just like I just want to nap someplace that's not that bed because then it's gonna feel like I'm really going to bed so that space almost was the couch but Simon wants to watch TV and do other things while I nap. And I want kind of more quiet. So it's been nice having this space to just like, I can nap here. And it felt like the same feeling of when I got my canopy bed when I was younger, when I first had my first room that really felt like this is my room. So I had that feeling again, like this childlike feeling of like, this is my room. That's so sweet. <laughs> so that was awesome. So I just achieved that goal. So I'm on that on that high 
podcast-wise for the year, I really want us to have a website. Not really sure how we're going to go about funding the website and all this other stuff. (coughs) Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, huh? What? And that's not the coronavirus talking. (laughs) But yeah, so if you guys want to like help out so we can have a have a website and we can like sell merch and have like a central area for like indie brands and stuff to go and and like sign up for us to like talk about them here like some that we like don't get to see or know about there'll be a place where they can just like oh okay searching you know j fashion media or whatever and our website can come up and then they'll find out about us and you know introduce themselves so i think that would be really cool and we could have blog posts or if we ever do videos or something we could put that up on our website that's kind of like my big goal for for the podcast hard decora goals are more like i just want to produce more things i've actually been taking a break on events so that i'd be able to do that and also you can't really not take a break now (laughs) exactly like which is like I almost feel like oh I took a break and none of these things are happening I I I am looking into doing some closer to end of the year events but you know who knows what's going to happen you know with this so yeah so I was just looking forward to producing more products in the first place There should be an early summer release, so that should be cool. Working on more weapon props and things during these weeks and stuff, so that's what I'm, like, looking forward to. Also, like, putting out another comic, that'd be awesome to get a a second issue in there. I'm very excited for that to come up. I always love reading your stuff. Aw, thank you. Of course. So what are your goals, Hayden? I would say, so my goals for my own personal J Fashion stuff is to just become more curated with what I want to do. I want to continue completing all the projects that I have (laughs) on Layaway, uh, in Backstock. Hopefully I'll be able to get some of those finished by the time that the pandemic is over. Maybe, we'll see, depending on how long that goes. I'm really excited for my hair to grow out again so I can recolor it. I had to shave it all recently just for a new start, a fresh start, clean cut. But I am really missing my longer hair and I'm really missing my colored hair. The only reason why I haven't colored it yet is because the plan that I have for coloring it the, the way that I want to color it when it is longer, it would be easier for me to color it all at once as opposed to try to get an older color out so I could get the color that I want. For example, if I wanted to color my hair right now, the easiest to go would be pink. But what I want to do is have the top of my hair pink, my shave and down sides to be blue, and I want my sideburns to be yellow. Pink and blue cancel each other out, so even if I got the pink out to like where it was only a tint, there's still the possibility that the pink and the blue would cancel each other out a bit, and it would look muddy and dull as opposed to like a bright blue. It's a self-imposed goal. I don't have to keep with it now, I guess, but it's something that 
would be easier for my goals to come to fruition later than if I went ahead and just went with my impulse right now. As for the podcast, my main goal is to reach an average of 500 downloads per episode. We have been doing this for three years and I enjoy doing this a lot, but because of, you know, being full-time at work, being full-time at school, it's hard to keep up a lot and produce content consistently to a point to where it catches people's eye. If we were in a perfect world, I would want to release weekly or bi-weekly, but Kamila and I both have a lot of things going on. So because we may not have the capabilities to go weekly or even bi-weekly for a long time, because that takes a lot of work and that would be a risk on both of our parts, I'm really going to focus on trying to be really engaged with our audience and I'm hoping through audience engagement we will be able to get those consistent listens over time. Right, right. Oh, and also going to events. Yes, I would love to go to more events. Like as OK Podcast. Exactly. I think that will have to come with more listens and more subscribers, but that is something that I really, really want to do. I would love to travel and do this. We were looking into like doing um, some panels, like doing a panel at Anime Magic and maybe next year's Paradiso. If we can go, like we were trying to go to Paradiso this year. Not as okay podcast totally, but you had graduation and then this stuff is going on anyway, so. Yeah, I won't be able to do graduation or Paradiso. Exactly. It's not really a good time, but if anybody's listening that does any events and they would like us to, to come, definitely reach out to us. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're interested in doing that. Yeah, and I think that's also going to be another good reason to have our website. Anybody is looking for J Fashion content and we have the right tags and we have content up on our website, which is going to be our monthly podcast and any blog posts or anything we decide to do, we would be able to come up, you know, and then someone will be like, oh, okay, let me listen to this. We're searchable. So I think our goals kind of like can help each other. I think they're feasible. It's just going to take a lot of work. Yep. We can do it. Ganbatane. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it is about time to head on into our interview for this month, but a quick commercial break as per usual. Hey, y'all. It's Hayden. It's Kamila. We talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content, and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money, though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a Garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to the show. Woo! And welcome back. Today we are sitting down with Iris, aka Limitless. Iris is a disabled kawaii lifestyler, enthusiast, and creator based in Berkeley, California. 
She creates Harajuku fashion-inspired jewelry and YouTube videos based around Lolita culture. She also shares kawaii lifestyle hacks and crafty and kawaii tutorials. Hi, Iris. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So we're going to hop right into our questions. So the first question we have for you that we ask all of our guests is, how did you first get into J Fashion? It's a weird way how I got into J Fashion. I actually started off in Decorah in Mm -hmm. high school. But due to the fact that I'm a very conservative mom who was just not about that, like, mm. no, you're not, I'm not buying you any of that stuff. So I literally had to do like what I could do. Mm. <laughs> so it was like a lot of like improv, just really made up stuff. And I did the best that I could because I would like go on to like Tumblr Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the blogs are like early, like you're talking like AOL wow. and like MySpace. <laughs> I totally aged myself just right there. <laughs> well, you didn't age yourself too much. I, I still experienced AOL and AIM and all that. So you're still young and hip. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's kind of how I got started. in. And then honestly, the weirdest thing about it, when I think back on it, I actually knew about Lolita fashion because the first Lolita brand that I discovered was Metamorphose but I didn't know that it was called Lolita like I was like oh that's pretty that's a frilly dress I want it my mom won't buy it for me so I'm just gonna stare at it on the computer but I had no clue that there was an actual culture behind Metamorphose I was like that's just a pretty dress how did you go from Decora into Lolita I actually didn't really find out about Lolita fashion until 2017. So you're like, it's a huge gap. Like I knew about Lolita fashion, but I just didn't know what it was called. Like that's kind of how it was for me. Like I knew about Metamorphose. I knew about Victorian Maiden and like those, I didn't know about Angelic Pretty until 2007. Mm-hmm. But that's oh, okay. that's the weird thing. So like I totally missed out on the entire golden age of Lolita fashion. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, the golden age of Lolita fashion." I'm like, "What is this golden age everybody's talking about?" Oh no! I'm like, yeah, honey, sorry, you missed it. Oh, my heart breaks. <laughs> yeah, I can totally understand that. How would you describe your your current J fashion style? I I love Lolita. Like that's my main staple. Like that is my main wardrobe. I am an avid collector of angelic pretty i also Mm. like metamorphose since that was the first brand i discovered i do have quite a good section of metamorphose but angelic pretty has dominated my wardrobe but i also like fairy k and i also still to this day love decora because i just love having a billion barrettes in my hair yeah because what could be better (laughs) so if comfortable could you please share with us how you're disabled I mean, I guess if I had to start from the beginning, in high school, I didn't know that I was disabled, but I knew something was off. And I come from a family where we don't talk about disability Mm. because I love my mom to death and we have like a really great relationship. But when I initially started finding out about my disabilities, it was kind of aggravating because I was like, dang, mom, I suffered 
in high school and it was so hard for me growing up and you're talking elementary was difficult and high school was difficult mm-hmm. for me because like socially it was just really hard for me mm-hmm. like I even though right even right now it doesn't sound like I have Asperger's autism like well you speak really well backtrack to elementary school I had the horse time communicating with people. I didn't understand boundaries. Mm. I didn't understand social cues. So I was constantly doing things that people would be like, okay, this person is weird and I don't understand them and I'm going to make fun of them. Yeah. And so I went through a lot of elementary and high school being immensely made fun of and having severe depression because I just, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was autistic. I just pretty much went through entire life I got into college and then I was like, you know, I'm just going to get tested and see what it is, what's what's going on. And my counselor, who I still work with to this day, she is amazing. I love her. She was like, you're now just finding out in college that you're, you have Asperger's autism. And then I was like, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and I was, it was kind of hard having to come to terms with that because you constantly hear in the media, autism people are, they're just too difficult to deal with. And a lot of times that they're too socially hard to deal with. They make mistakes a lot. And it's really hard to get a job because nobody wants to make accommodations for you. Mm. And honestly, I kept it a secret like for a long, long time because I didn't want nobody to know. But when you, you start to get to know me, you see it. And I remember like one of one person I used to date, they were like, yeah, you're weird but you're so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a journey and it's like things that are like popping up. Going back to my relationship with my mom, even though our relationship is good today, it was just really upsetting having to find out. And then I just, as an adult, I asked her, I was like, mom, why did you keep it so hidden and secret about my autism? And she's like, because I did not want you to be boxed in and basically have a label slapped on you she said because you what you didn't understand growing up when a kid was identified to have a learning disability or autism or special needs you automatically got thrown into the special ed classes and you were labeled and nobody wanted to touch you with a 10-foot pole and she said I did not want that for you Mm -hmm. she said because I could tell by your instructors and your teachers they were like well this is what her potential is and this is what she's going to only amount to and my mom was like no you're not that's not what you're going to amount to this is not what you're you're limited at she's like your your life is as my child you don't have any boundaries you don't have any limits and she's I did not want no one assigning you to a box and saying this is your box stay in it because your special needs when my mom explained herself then I was like okay now I get it I can really admire that and I could really respect that reasoning. Right. And I'm sure that the schooling was much different from when I was growing up to when you were growing up. There's so many differences in education for the general populace, let alone the differences for people with special needs. And yeah. I can only imagine what kind of stuff you may have gone through. Like, it could have been very positive, and it could have been very negative. Negative, right. So, again, I can respect and I can appreciate that reasoning, but I also wish that it would have come a little sooner for you so you were able to have those resources that you needed. Definitely. (laughs) It would have been nice to, you know, have, like, a one-to-one aid while in elementary school to kind of, like, 
hey, we don't do that like this way. We do it this way. This is your social cues, and this is how you approach a person. I'm like, that would have been nice, but I'm like, mm. eh. You know, I made it. I got through nursing school somehow. Oh, <laughs> congrats. Nice. My mom did that, too, and I know that it could be grueling um, going through the school for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can relate to just, like, parents that are very much like, oh, you're going through this thing and not want to have the, the label. Like, when I started going to therapy for generalized anxiety disorder, it was kind of like... Are they just going to like label you as this? Like, don't say you have anxiety. That's not you. That's the devil or, you know, (laughs) or, you know, like, don't let them tell you that you're this, you know, I kind of understand they're thinking of you should not let this limit you to not overcome struggles that you can, but just knowing that this is the struggle that you're dealing with, it can help you get the proper tools and then also identify when you're going through something, okay, this is a part of this thing. It's not because I'm alone and I'm like a freak or something. I think going on that last sentence, you know, I think it also comes down to denial. Parents don't want to admit that they have a kid that is different. They want us to be normal and be happy. Right. But the fact of the matter is that pushing these things down and repressing them only makes the problems worse. Mm -hmm. I noticed that, especially in high school, like I was just severely depressed because I was all alone. Like I had little to no friends because I just didn't know how to make friends. And if I had had those resources in place, Mm -hmm. and I I understand where my mom was coming from because we went to public school. So Mm -hmm. we didn't go to a really good district. My mom tried to get me into a really good district, but you know, it was like they started implanting like laws where if you were caught using other people's addresses that could like get people into a lot of trouble. And so Mm -hmm. my mom was like, we have to deal with this school system. And unfortunately the school that I went to had little to no resources for special needs. So so if you, it doesn't matter if you were like down syndrome or autistic, or even if you were like had special dietary needs, the high school Mm -hmm. just was like, we can't accommodate it because we don't have the budget to accommodate you. Wow. Wow. That's that's heavy. That's yeah. a lot. So we talked about your early life. Was there anything else in your late teens or 20s up to now? I've, I've recently been like connecting with other disability advocates on Instagram. And that's where I really started to flourish. And I even posted about my increasing mobility issues because for the longest time I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to like talk about, I'm like, I'm 33 years old. I don't want to talk about the fact that I need a walker and a wheelchair Mm. and a cane. That's embarrassing. People who are 65 use those things, not 33. And so of course (laughs) in my head, I was like, my body is failing me and I'm turning into a homebody. And I want to go outside and I want to experience things. But at the same time, I was embarrassed because I need a walker and I need a cane and I need to sometimes use a wheelchair. I'm considered an ambulatory wheelchair user. And and that's one of the reasons why I sent you that video from Mm. YouTube because I absolutely love her YouTube channel because she really got into it especially as an ambulatory wheelchair user I've there's been times where I have been literally shoved in in supermarkets 
or had my wheelchair taken from me because people were like, you're lying. You can walk. And I'm just like, yeah, I can walk, but I can only walk a certain length before I start getting tired and end up falling. That's why I'm using my wheelchair and my walker. And that was one of the things that fueled my fear of using assistive devices in public because that one experience of being accosted and assaulted by people who just don't understand that disability is not one singular thing. It's a spectrum. Mm -hmm. It was really, it was a really frustrating thing to come to terms with you. Like, you know what? You need these things. You like going out. You like going to farmer's markets. You like going to your Lolita Com meetups. You need these things in order to function um, safely and move about safely in society. It was hard having to accept that and to accept the fact that I need help. The straw that broke the camel's back is when I fell in the parking lot at a grocery store because I, I refused to bring my assistive devices out of the car. And I was like, I'm not using those assistive devices. I'm not using it. And then on my way back to my car, I literally, my knee gave out and my ankle gave out and I fell. And some guy ran over and he was like, ma'am, can I help you? And I'm like, I just lost it. I just got so pissed off and mad. I wasn't mad it was more like a projection of anger, mm-hmm. more so at myself. I wasn't mad at the guy because I know he was generally trying to help and he was generally trying to be in a, of assistance. But it just at that point, I was just so upset and angry at myself. It's like my body is failing and I'm only in my early 30s. This is not fair. Like this is I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do crazy off the wall things. Why is this happening to me? Before I knew it, I had just lashed out at this poor, innocent dude. And I started crying. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to yell at you. I'm just, I'm upset at my situation. And I just, that was not right for me to yell at you. So you're dealing with Asperger's and mobility issues that oftentimes you end up having to switch between using your own strength to walk and maybe a walker or a wheelchair to get around yes that's a lot to deal with it's something that you're not prepared for so I can understand and sympathize that why you would be so angry and why it would be so frustrating for you yeah yeah it's scary because it's like you don't want to be seen as the burden Mm -hmm. that's the thing so what kind of content do you produce and what do you hope to achieve with this content? I know you have like at least an Instagram that you're, you're pretty active on. Yeah. And a YouTube. I mean, at this point, I'm still kind of trying to figure out, especially with my YouTube channel. I do love doing unboxings, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel kind of guilty about those. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Cora. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely love her videos and her Instagram because she talks about how just sustainable fashion in itself. And I'm just like, when I do an unboxing, I'm like, <laughs> Cora is going to just be so mad at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we both love and adore Cora. Yes. And yeah. oftentimes she does come to the back of my mind where yeah. I'm like, okay, what would WWCD, what would Cora do? Right. <laughs> I also end up feeling like when I do a good thing, it's like, oh, Cora would love this. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how I feel about it. I'm just like, 
Oh my god, I just did an unboxing Lolita stuff from Taobao. Cora would not approve of this. <laughs> <laughs> I do love, enjoy doing unboxings, but I do find that I'm buying majority of my Lolita stuff secondhand. I've really been starting to do that. Like I usually don't buy straight from the Angelic Pretty website. I'll probably like look on Frill or Mercari or lace market and just like see if I can see it pop up secondhand so I'm kind of like not contributing to the climate issues and so (laughs) but still you know improving my wardrobe still looking cute and then what do you focus on in terms of your Instagram I really like posting pictures of myself using my mobility aids. And I've noticed that I've started doing that more and more. Like I, my mom mm-hmm. just purchased me these cute purple canes and I've been <laughs> using those, posing with those. And I'm like showing myself that it's okay to be disabled and visible. It's not the end mm-hmm. of the world. And I noticed that I've gotten a lot of interaction on my Instagram from other disabled people. And they're like, you're so cute. I love your wheelchair. I love your canes. This is amazing. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness, really? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I really like your Instagram name, Limitless. Can you like tell me about like the inspiration for that? It actually comes from my mom, the previous conversation I had with my mom. She's saying, I don't want any limits assigned to you. You are limitless. And so my right leg is pretty much where my disability stems from. I have a lot of like muscle atrophy and Mm. my joint on my ankle is fused and I also have contractures on my right leg. So moving my right leg, it's where my mobility issues stem from. So I was like, you know what? I think I want to be known as really frontal and really just put myself out there being disabled and visible and not being afraid of the reaction and showing society that no, you don't have to be sad and in your house and badly dressed and whatnot. You can have a cute and custom made wheelchair or you can have a DIY walker and and put like ribbons and, and bow ties on your canes and whatever and still feel good about yourself be visible and be disabled and it's not the end of the world. And so that's kind of how I want to, I really starting to take pictures that show me, show that, that I'm human just like everyone else. I am not perfect. I make stupid faces. Sometimes <laughs> my, my coordinates are just, sometimes I look at my some of my coordinates. I'm like, what, what was happening here? What was going on here? <laughs> oh, we all do. <laughs> yeah, we all go through that. And I take pictures of myself in my wheelchair that, yes, you can wear Lolita and, and be in a wheelchair also. It's like you kind of have to manipulate some stuff and put stuff some like little like DIY it a little bit so your dress doesn't like go flying up your butt or whatever <laughs> up your backside and you're showing showing your bloomers and your petticoat and everything but it's doable and you can still look cute have you experienced any hurdles in person or online when it comes to participating in the j fashion community i would say and this is and this might seem so weird and I've actually talked to one of my other friends who I'm really close to who's also disabled in NJ fashion. 
we were having tea together mm. and we were talking she's like is it me or does is it like i don't know maybe you've experienced this too but you get more insults out of j fashion than in it mm, and wow. i've noticed that i get more insults when i'm in regular normie clothes versus in j fashion like i don't know it's Maybe it's kind of like an intimidation (laughs) factor of just all like, oh, I am way beyond your level. Like you can't Uh. even like, (laughs) there is nowhere where you can start with me because I am out here and I am proud. (laughs) Yeah, like I think it throws people for a loop because when they see me in my J fashion and they see me in a wheelchair, they have this preconceived notion when you're disabled, you're supposed to be sad and right. badly dressed and just a hot mess all around mm-hmm. and whatnot. And But then when they see me, they have a put together fairy care or Lolita outfit. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, having a good old time in Trader Joe's, picking out apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And I, I, I do, I get a lot of stares. And then like, or like people will say comments like, you sure do look happy. You're just as happy as you want to be. <laughs> just like, oh why not? Why, why not be happy? Like, dude, like, yeah. yeah, I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm still here. The reasoning why I ended up with mobility is just because I was in a car crash. I could have easily passed away in that car crash, but mm-hmm. I'm still here. Even though I have to use mobility devices, I'm mm-hmm. still here. I still get to see another sunrise and sunset. Like, mm-hmm. why not be happy? <laughs> and I'm picking apples at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> That That's really interesting that you have those experiences more often outside of J fashion. Yeah, like you said, I think being that visible, it shocks people and they don't know what to say. They're right. just like, I think at that point, like the J fashion distracts from mm-hmm. your mobility devices, which is a little troublesome just because, right. you know, it, it is a part of you and you don't want to erase that. But it can ease the blow to some people when they are so focused on something else besides your disability or your mobility devices. I would definitely agree with that. I remember just thinking back to the conversation, just sitting with my friend. She was like, yeah, she's, I had some lady try to take my canes out of my hand, but I was in normie clothes and whatnot. And I said, the same thing happens to me when I'm in normie clothes. People literally come out of the woodworks and try to fight with me about parking in the handicap places. And they're just like, I had one woman just literally come up and was like, you need to show me medical documentation that you are, you can, you can rightfully park in that handicap placard. And I was just like, are you my doctor? Wow. I just, sometimes when people like recount to me things that like terrible things that people do on the regular basis and I'm just like wow I don't even remotely know anyone who does that or thinks like that and it's it, just it like it blows my mind yeah, it blows my mind I'm just like why what <laughs> like I don't remember one day of my life thinking like man I'm so mad I couldn't park in that handicap spot or like I'm just like that doesn't like to me it doesn't bother me I'm just like oh there's spots that I can't be in that's fine <laughs> I will find another place and I will walk to the store entrance it's no problem I don't know people are wild people are wild <laughs> Don't I'm understand. Like, there's been times where I've literally given up the handy. I'm like, you look, sir, 
ma'am, you look really upset so you can have the parking space. I will find somewhere else to park. Just to avoid the fight and the confrontation, I'm just like, here, have a party in a handicapped parking spot if you want to. All right. People need to learn more about disabilities in school, not just that they exist, like the symptoms and the different, like, and it's none of your business. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, (laughs) like, because I don't think people like you're right. I think you said it earlier, Iris, how like people think disabilities just come in one form. People need to know about the details about like different diagnoses and like different things that can happen. You get into an accident or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking like if people don't understand that, then they don't understand invisible illnesses. It has to be like somebody's arm or finger got cut off or it has to be like, you know. I have be able to visually see your disability in order for me to believe you. Right. And that's the biggest hurdle with having invisible disabilities because you can't visually see I'm not an amputee. I am not paraplegic or quadriplegic. Yes, I hurt. My hurt is, is a lot different than, say, a person who's an amputee or a quadriplegic, but my disability is just as valid right. as someone with a, a very in-your-face dis- visible disability. Right. And I feel like people just have a little compassion, you know, have some understanding. I even got to the point where I got a custom-made, I have an invisible disability on my car, so mm, people wow. are not quick to just come up and be like, why are you parking here? Or why are you using that? Or one of my friends, she's an amazing laser artist and she created me invisible illness out of laser acrylic. And I hook it onto my, whenever I take my wheelchair, I hook it onto my wheelchair so people can say, yes, I'm ambulatory. Yes, I'm standing up to reach for this in the aisle, but please don't take my wheelchair from me. Please don't come up to me and argue with me about why I'm using a walker. It's not nice. Be nice. (laughs) Well, this brings us into our next question from our patron, Joelle. What are your tricks and tips to adapting various clothing parts for your disability? What could brands do to make J Fashion easier for you? And we do realize that disability is a spectrum. So we're just asking this for you personally or for people you know or... Yeah, from your own experience. We're not asking you to cover the entire disability (laughs) spectrum. Oh, no. Something from my experience, elastic is my best friend. Mm. Like, whenever I see a Lolita dress and it has full string in the back, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Elastic. (laughs) (laughs) Like, elastic is my best like elastic waistbands whenever I want to wear like a cute dress elastic just the shearing in the back it's just it helps so much because sometimes I do wear braces under support braces Mm. under like my tights or whatever or like sometimes I wear support braces for my lower back to help me get comfortable in wheelchairs so I would say for me like elastic is like my best friend and pillows pillows like sometimes like It's like a lot of times, and it, it took a lot of trial and error with my, because a Lolita fashion tends to be really fluffy, but a lot of times what was happening, my petticoats were getting caught in the wheels. Oh my and goodness. And I was like, it was just, it was a mess. And so what, one, I was like, okay, 
I got to like really just brainstorm this out. What can I do to keep my petticoats and my dresses from getting caught and my dress is tearing into the wheelchair. So pillows. But yeah, I just, I use pillows and pillows kind of give me a boost on the chair where it will allow my petticoat to come up a little higher and doesn't get really caught in the wheels and whatnot. Or sometimes I'll just tuck it underneath my, my petticoat and my dress underneath my thighs. And that helps out a lot. Just keeps it from like stuff getting tangled and caught and whatnot. And baskets. Baskets oh. are your friend. If you have like a walker, like a lot of walkers, standard walkers usually have like a T-bar going across it. So I'll have like a bar oh, yeah. and then like side. What I would do, go to Daiso and get the little clamp-on little plastic crates and use those. And if my jewelry was bothering me throughout the day mm. or my wrist cuffs were bothering me, take them off and put them in the little cubbies. I feel like a lot of Fairy K brands have been, it's been a slow process but they have been listening to their their consumers and their buyers. Like, for instance, Angelic Pretty for the longest time was like teeny tiny bus lines mm-hmm. and super uncomfortable. And you couldn't get into them unless you were super tiny and like weighed less than 100 pounds. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, that's not me. But then like now when you see today's Angelic Pretty, they're making stuff a little bigger. They're including the full shearing in the back for all their JSKs. And I'm just like, yes, this is what we want. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. <laughs> and I'm, I'm huge into indie brands. Like, I absolutely love going on to Etsy and finding Fairy K brands. And even with Hard Decor, <laughs> I absolutely love your brands, too. <laughs> Thank you. I wear your shirts to physical therapy because I'm just oh. like, I need to look at. It's so interesting because I never like think like people that were interviewing has my things or anything. So that's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> your shirts act as a distraction because when my physical therapist is working with my right leg, I'm just like, I'm going to punch you in the face right now, but I'm just going to look at my shirt because my shirt makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> Plot twist. This was an ad for Hard Decora this entire three years. Right, exactly. <laughs> for me, like, I love the indie brands because the indie brands, they really, really listen to their consumers and their brands because maybe because they're on a smaller scale, they're mm-hmm. not super, super big, so they're not having to answer to shareholders and all that busyness. I'm a huge supporter of kawaii indie brand i absolutely love the new up-and-coming low um, indie low leader brands like so sad to see hanalulu go but yeah. i was like okay so <laughs> you took us into this really emotional experience you had early in your life in the parking lot with the man who tried to help you out when you fell and you told us that at the time it was really hard for you to deal with the fact that you were disabled. But you've told us privately that Lolita and Kawaii Fashion has played a large role in accepting your disability. Can you elaborate on that for us? Well, for one, as a person who's has had to deal with off and on depression surrounding my disability and just coming to terms with it. When I look back on my past, it was always J fashion. That was always there as a pick me up. I would just get super excited when I found out about like an indie brand, especially if it was like an indie brand who was designed by a person who also 
had an invisible illness or a a, a disability. And I'm like, yay. (laughs) They look, they're just there. They're out there creating this brand. And it's just, I kind of grew up with the feeling of I never saw myself as beautiful. Even in when I wear normie clothes, I, I just never thought of myself as the pretty girl. And I've never really looked at myself and was like, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I put on my first Lolita coordinate, it was a hot mess. Like it was <laughs> a super Ida, but I loved it. Like I was like, this is it. I feel pretty. Look at this pink wig and my open toe shoes, which is a no-no. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved that coordinate. Like I looked in the mirror and I was like, yes, this fits, this works. I feel pretty. Looking at myself and thinking back to my first coordinate, it was just, this was the first time I actually felt okay with myself. Even Mm. when I wear Decora or Fairy K, I feel like me, Mm -hmm. even though I have like so many external forces coming at me and telling me that you you don't like being black because you're wearing you're obsessed with Japan mm. and, and Japanese fashion and whatever. I feel like that's another conversation in of itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Intersectionality and right. just the race and ethnicity and that is just a whole nother galaxy realm right there. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like, as an African-American growing up, it was hard. And then having to deal with the disabilities and having to be Black and having to just try and make everybody happy. But then when I wear Mm -hmm. J-Fashion, I wear it for myself. Right. I feel pretty. I feel good about myself. I'm like, yeah, Irish, you're hot. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's kind of how it is. It's like, for me, it's like, even though I get a lot of naysayers in my life who tell me, you're never going to get married with that J fashion, wearing that J fashion. You're never going to get any friends. You're too weird. You're too out there. Mm -hmm. You're too afraid of you. But honestly, if you act, if people actually took the time to really hang out with me and see that I do get positive reactions. Yeah. And I do get people who actually even went on a date in J fashion. It was like, <laughs> wow. It was, it was really interesting. And he was just, I, I feel like he was more into my milk limb sweater than he was into me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. I'm going to go my sweater. That's fine. I'm just going to sit here while you have a conversation with my sweater. It's mine. Can't have it, but you can look from afar. <laughs> I have to say that to Simon sometimes. I was like, no, it is a large, but it's my no, thing you still. Can't have it. You can't have it. There's this one Easter sweater that we like are constantly like sharing. I'm just like, oh, well, I'm going to wear it this time. Well, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> I had something to add about like people coming in and saying, like, oh, you're not going to get married or you're not going to get this got my hair braided recently 
and I was with the with the stylist and then there was someone who was waiting for the same stylist. She was talking about her entire life and everything, which <laughs> as you do. Yeah. I don't really do that. Like salons actually cause me like so much anxiety just because I feel <laughs> nervous about what I'm asking for from the stylist or even like the, the nail artist kind of just like, oh, I don't want to deal with their comments or anything. Like just do the thing so why do you want your hair this color right yeah exactly (laughs) and so the other person that was waiting they started being like oh you sure do like that colorful hair huh and i'm just like yep Mm -hmm." then i I, because i thought it was going to just end there but then they were just like oh you're not gonna be able to get no job with that though and Uh. i'm just like i have a job it's full time (laughs) so funny when people say that they they'll look at my my plugs or my mm-hmm. colorful hair. I find it so funny when I tell them that I'm a nurse and that I'm a travel nurse at that uh, and they're just like, "Wait, what? Yeah. You oh. don't match your profession." <laughs> people like, can be cute yeah. and dress fun. Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't have anything to do <laughs> Those with Those two things can coexist in one. Right. Like, you could be in a f- a functioning adult and wear colors. Wow. <laughs> like I don't understand yeah. the dichotomy there. But okay. yeah. I'm a nurse. And yes, I take care of babies and and quite frankly my babies love my hair. Like it's <laughs> like a party in pediatrics whenever I'm on the floor. Cuz like <laughs> like the cartoon nurse is here the cartoon nurse is here <laughs> i just worry for your plugs though oh yeah babies could... i've had kids try to I grab my piercings I take those out when i'm on the floor because i got too many little fingers going right. into the plug i'm just like okay cartoon nurses and like babies <laughs> <laughs> even my cats they try to like like Juno, he he. I would be holding him, and he'd be his head would be close to my ear, and then you'd be like, "Oh, let me bite this because this is cool. <laughs> this is sticking out of you." And I'm just like, "No, this is not a toy." Um, <laughs> yeah, I've had many a kid try to grab my lip piercing, and I'm like, "Uh-uh, don't do that. <laughs> oh god, don't touch." Oh god. Thankfully, most of the time they press as opposed to pull because they think it's like a, a button. Oh, uh, okay. So. Yeah, Nothing, but... nothing's ripped out yet. <laughs> Not yet. I take out any visible, like, lip piercings. I switch to a stud when I'm on the floor. Smart. But, like, my coworkers, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know when Iris is coming because I can literally see and hear her from a two miles away. <laughs> I'm the one that has, like, bells dingling oh. in my hair. And I'm just like... I literally can hear you all the way in ICU. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like it's really therapeutic for my patients because especially you're dealing with people who are just like really at their worst. Mm. And then when they see me with my blue and pink or green hair, they're just like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> and I'm just like, hi, I'm in yours today. <laughs> they're like, for a moment, they're distracted. They're more focused on why my hair is pink and blue than, oh my goodness, this is this and this and this is happening. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I like being able to be that distraction. I do like resin art to distract me from, mm-hmm. especially when I'm having a high pain day. Because mm-hmm. I like, I could easily just sit on the bed and just cry, 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 and just infinitely sad. But I was like, you know what? I need to find something to distract me. I need to find something that just get me out of my head mm-hmm. and get me out of just Or something constructive to do. Yeah. Yeah. The kids at my my job, or sometimes I'll float to the adult wings, and they're just like more focused on my colorfulness and why do I have Hello Kitty scrubs on? And they're just like, <laughs> "You're very noisy." <laughs> I'm just like, "I know, I'm so noisy." <laughs> Man, that's so cool. How do you think the J fashion community can be more accessible to people with? various disabilities again from your experience as far as like accessibility i feel that more and poor people if they got into the social medias and really showed themselves for when i was hiding for the longest but then i really got out there and i was like and i started connecting with other disabled people who were Mm -hmm. into j fashion I feel as a group, we all need to just be out there, be proud with our mobility devices, you know, showing ourselves that no, we're not sitting at home miserable and sad, cursing the universe because of our disability, like just more visible, really putting ourselves out there and seeing that we're here, we're human, we're just differently able and it's okay, it's fine. And I would feel that we would start to see a shift within society being more accommodating because there's been situations where I've gone into like certain spaces where I'm like, who in the world, who is the industrial designer behind this? Like, like, I, I need to talk to the person who's the designer behind this. I feel like if we were more visible and if we really put ourselves out there, you would see more conscious designing. You would see more people going into the field and and being inclusive of us, saying, before I just throw this design out and submit it to like Ikea or whatever, let me sit back and think, how would this affect a person who has to use crutches? How would this design affect a person who is in a wheelchair? That would be the beginning part of it. If we were more visible and more and showing that, We too are part of society that we too want to participate, but we need the tools in order to participate. Like if you're making counters super high, but I'm in a wheelchair, how am I supposed to participate? This makes me think about planning events for for J Fashion Meets and everything and making sure that there's accessibility for everyone who wants to come to the meet. That there are good food options for everyone, for those who are unable to eat certain things because of one reason or another. Yeah, and maybe if we're doing, say, a fashion walk or something, maybe plan in breaks Mm -hmm. in between for people who can't, like, okay, we got to take a break now. My back is now, like, killing me. I need to sit down. Having disabled models in fashion shows. Yeah. I would love to see that. Like, whenever I see Anime Expo or mm-hmm. like angelic pretty fashion shows who are coming out and doing the cons. I'm like, where are the disabled models at? I want to see a disabled model. I want to see a disabled model, model for angelic mm-hmm. pretty, going down that runway and seeing how they accommodate their cord to work with their mobility right, device. Right. I'm only one person. How I accommodate my cord is going to be completely different than someone else 
who uses a mobility device and who right. also wears low leader. I would love to see more of that. Yeah. More of that. That's like one of my things. Like I stress so much about the differently abled community. I'm like, get out there. Like if you, if there's something that you really want to participate, if you're not going there and you're not showing that there is a need for change and there that there's a need for maybe, maybe restructuring it, it's never going to get done. Our patrons know for sure, and our listeners may know, that Kamila and I have many a gripe with Anime <laughs> Expo's fashion shows in, in every way, shape, and form. So I completely agree. There does need to be a complete restructuring of how popular mainstream J fashion shows at conventions. I feel that fashion shows that are created by the J fashion community are more accessible yes. because we're a part of the community and we know the people in our community. And we know what we need. Yes, but I, I do agree that big, gigantic fashion shows like at Anime Expo, at Teco, at Onicon, mm-hmm. they need to be looked at extremely critically mm-hmm. because that's the only way that things are going to get fixed. I want to see more disabled models too. Right. Like We've been doing a really great job with showing visibility of non-white people and non-Asian people in the J fashion community of people of different sizes and shapes and genders, but we haven't done anything with disabilities. And I think that is going to have to be our next big push. Yeah, definitely. I know that sometimes people can feel really discouraged about applying because they think if I apply, I'm just not going to get picked anyway. So I'm just not going to apply that in mind when I started putting it out there being like, oh, hey, I'm looking for models and stuff. I've been trying to put in like, okay, I'm looking for all sizes, all races, all genders. So now I'm going to also put in like all different like abilities and mobility statuses because like if you say it specifically then those people feel like oh I see myself in that now and now I will take the chance to apply instead of automatically assuming that they're just not going to be accepted and then they know that you are going to be there to stand up for them yeah if problems arise like how like they may come to you saying hey i want to apply but how am i going to get up on stage how right. am i going to get off stage and they're going to be talk to someone on the you know fashion show staff yeah you have a lot more power yeah. as a designer than a model does or just a concerned citizen does yeah yeah i would definitely have to agree with that and i'm, I'm i for what i've been wanting to like model and I would be in mid filling out application. And then I'd be like, oh, they're probably not going to want to accommodate my walker. How am I going to get mm-hmm. up and down the stage? And I'm like, you know what? Just forget it. Close it down. I'll just watch. <laughs> just like going reiterating what you said, if it's stated explicitly, we want models who use mobility devices. That would be like, oh, they want me. They want right. me. To, they want me to participate. I remember the first time I seen a model, and this was I don't know what year it was at Anime Expo, but she had a cane, and I was like, "Oh my god!" She <laughs> and she's wearing Lolita, and I was like, "This is awesome!" And I was like so excited, and then people were like looking at me like, "Why are you so excited about her cane?" Like you don't understand, <laughs> just, just seeing her just making me so happy right now. <laughs> 
that brings us to the end of the questions that we have for you. Iris, thank you so much for being on the show with us and for talking about this really necessary mm -hmm. to talk about subject. Yeah, I think. thank you for being so open with us. Yeah, thank you so much. I enjoyed myself so much with this this interview. When you guys messaged me about it, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I listened to their podcast and it's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you had a good time then. And our listeners, if you are interested in hearing more of our conversations with Iris, we are going to have a patron segment with Iris mm -hmm. talking about invisible disabilities more and what it is like to be in J fashion when you are going through those good disability days versus those bad disability days. Mm -hmm. So hit us up on Patreon. We are going to have that posted soon. Where could our listeners find you online if they want to keep up with you? Oh, well, I am on Instagram at Limitless, and I will spell that for you so you make sure to spell it correctly. It's L-I-M-B underscore I-T-L-E-S-S. And I'm also on Facebook, which is also L-I-M-B-I-T-L-E-S-S. -S. And that's on my Facebook page where you can kind of see my updates of where I post videos on YouTube. And if I'm updating anything on Instagram or if I'm just sharing like weird stuff I find on the Internet. And I'm just like, here's a picture of a pink Mickey Mouse that I saw. <laughs> and I want you all to see it. <laughs> And also my YouTube is L-I-M-B-I-T-L-E-S-S 2.0. Gotcha. Cool. Iris, once again, thank you so much for joining us. This has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And I'm Iris. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.